0: Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. That's this weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for you in this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264-1 to odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the Rebel match ends in a first round knockout, you walk away with cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think is going to win in the first round knockout. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook and bet that. You'll get the 264-1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on McGregor or Poirier to win by first-round knockout. You win $264 to everyone. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test and put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. And don't worry, if MMA is not for you, the DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and every other sport you can imagine. DraftKings safe, secure, Reliable, you can deposit your with and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, hey, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn one dollar into two hundred and sixty four dollars when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn one dollar into two hundred and sixty four dollars only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. If you got a gambling problem, hit up 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-NINE-WITH-IT. Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans. Welcome back to Protect the Nest, your podcast, keeping up with the Pelicans. We're branching out. We're moving up. Back from vacation. Told y'all we'd be back with some big things. We're branching out. We're going to have South Coast Sports running. We're going to have the website up to try and promote everything in the South Coast sports, like even the JUCOs, the high schools, middle schools. Spelling Bee champs. Shout out to the Spelling Bee champ over from Harvey. Let's go. We're going to have all that going. Some balling in the Boot podcast. If anybody wants to be a part of that, please reach out. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Mostly I'm busy on Twitter with all this. It's at doing It Dodson. And we're even going to have the Billboards, Backboards, and Blockbusters podcast over at Music Movies and Hoops. So if you're into music, movies, and maybe not even that big of a Hoops fan, maybe that's third on your list, still hit us up. Hit us up. We're going to be doing some big things. We're trying to branch out and have have just more coverage of, of, of Louisiana sports, South Coast Sports Stuff right here in the Gulf South region to help promote us and do big things. And I'm hoping y'all bring Protecting Nets with you when we coming on the way up. But this podcast, we're just touching base with you. The second half is going to be my appearance on the ESPN show out there in Baton Rouge, 104.3. Appreciate y'all for having me on, Matt Mason and all the boys. Uh, but look, checking out the draft, let's go a quick rundown since we checking in after a few weeks off. I still expect the Pelicans to trade the 10th pick. I mean, they're doing their due diligence. There's reports out there of them maybe even trading up in the draft. I think that's a little bit more unlikely than, them say, trading down, where perhaps they don't get one of the biggest stars on the market, and they swap the 10th pick for, you know, a lesser star, a fringe all-star, and it comes back with, say, the 20-something pick. I could see that. And they still got to, like I say, do their due diligence on all the prospects that they could fold, find their way into depending on what kind of decision tree they take, well, what kind of route they take through this decision tree. But, yeah, a trade-up would be wild. A trade-down for a lesser star, highly likely. In the middle, I would still put my money on the Pelicans just not having a draft pick because they're going to get rid of that 10th pick for somebody that can really help Zion and Brandon Egram in this very next season. And there's not too many people at that 10th pick that i i see helping us being being the being the person that pushes us off into the playoffs and not that nine ten play eight nine ten playoff play in nonsense we're talking about fighting for a top six seed i just don't see that even in this this draft sure k cunningham could do it if you trade all the way up but what's that gonna cost you really what's that gonna cost you so the pelicans to get better uh they got to go out in free agency and in the trade market and really try and do something for this new coach. And there's not a new coach yet. Uh, y'all hear more of this on the later in the show. I went on ESPN. I had to say it. How are the Pelicans not being seen as being on like their fifth option for coach? I don't think Alvin Gentry was David Griffith's first option, but Gentry carried a lot of water for this team. He deserved a, a fresh start, so to speak, after Anthony Davis, especially when the team got Zion you saw him celebrating. You knew Gentry was sticking around then, but he was kind of a lame duck. Everybody knew he was right there. On it, it took one or two things. He was gone. You get to the coaching search that wound up with the Pelicans hiring Stan Van Gundy. He was not really in the news until the last week being reported as interviewing and coming in, so that might have been a late-in-the-game Maybe the front office was getting cold feet on everybody else, and they, they saw the sheer thing. Stan Van Gundy, knowable, respectable, knowledgeable. Everybody uh, just get praises his intelligence. And the stats on after the timeout plays show that he is a smart basketball coach. But is he a personable basketball coach? Hey, we found out that answer. And now he's, he's going to be what he is great at, being a personable basketball analyst and just commentator, and I think that's where he'll remain for the rest of his career. He won't be back coaching anytime soon. But the Pelicans had to have a first option last summer. Maybe they missed out on him. Maybe they got hired somewhere. We'll never know until that tell-all book is written. Then you get rid of Stan Van Gundy, and me and Fletcher Mackle both reported Jock Vaughn was 1A, 1B. He had Billups first. I had Vaughn first, but that was the Pelicans' top two choices. Uh, No matter which way you want to put it, they're both off the table now. Uh, Vanderpool's off the table now. He's been swooped up by Brooklyn. At what point are the Pelicans going to have to hire a coach that maybe they had concerns about when the coaching search started, when all the interview process started, and they land on that person? How are they going to justify it in that they got their man when it seems like they're going to be the last – really catching the last seat uh, available in this musical chairs game for the coaching carousel. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. On the other hand, though, I think think a lot of people are overacting us not having a coach. I think we need to not view it as whichever assistant coach wins in the NBA Finals, whether it be Willie Green or Charles Lee, they get the job. This isn't two men go into a room and one man comes out with a job. This ain't Gladiator. That's not how this works. If this coaching hire is made with just that sample size a few games, that's not fair to anyone, the players on this team or the guys that were in the interview process. But we talk about David Griffin and, and Stan Van Gundy with all this breakup and Stan Van Gundy having these radio and podcast spots. David Griffin's been pretty quiet. He's been pretty quiet. Can't really blame him there. He can only get himself in trouble. Really, uh, there's only so much you can do at this point. Now that JJ Reddick, Griffin's come out, but we talked about him wanting to have a bigger hand in in, in the the rotations and roster. Stan Van Gundy was like, "Well, I want to play this guy," but they wanted this for developmental purposes. And we're past all that, so we're not going to look backwards. We're going to say, "Yes, this team's ready to win. This team needs to win for David Griffin and them to all keep their contracts and get extended." To keep Zion and make sure that he signs his extension the same way uh, Brandon Ingram committed with a full five-year contract. This is a players' league. We've seen that. We've seen that up in Portland with Damian Lillard and how he's had to handle the coaches hiring and firing with Luca in Dallas and and getting Jason Kidd. Whether or not Rick Carlisle went out there on a limb for Jason Kidd before, after, during, you know, talking to Luca. That's that's beside the point. But this is a win-now team. So if they make a win-now move. It's going to be for a Damian Lillard. It might be for a Kawhi, who could be a free agent. You could be looking at Fred VanVleet, Jeremy Grant. I went through all these free agents in Forbes articles. Got a list of like 50. I'm going to put it out on Twitter and music, movies, and hoops possibly on exactly what this big board and decision tree might look like. I don't have a anywhere near a complete picture. I don't have a 2% picture, but I could put something up together for y'all. But the trade to bring in a win-now star... Is gonna be for maybe even Kyrie. I just heard tweeted it out. This is kinda of like an emergency podcast, even though I knew this would be the day I'm coming back with the podcast and releasing more Forbes articles, stuff like that. Kyrie's on the trade block. Matt Sullivan come out with his book explaining all the all the drama behind that Nets team this year. So if we don't get Dame, or we could go for Kyrie. There could be a bidding war, because there's only You know, Oklahoma City and New Orleans has all the draft picks in the the whole league. So how are they going to swap around Kyrie if Dame wants to leave, if C.J. McCollum, if Portland blows it up and gets rid of everybody? At some point, there's going to not be bidders on the market once those stars drop off. So it's kind of who blinks first? Who's going to take that first deal and either get the best package and leave everybody else scrambling for scraps, or who's going to blink first and wind up taking 60 cents on the dollar and maybe... Maybe Dame gets traded for for like two less draft picks and a player than than Kyrie, and and they look foolish for acting too soon. You, this is gonna be a fun offseason watching watching these bidding wars. So guys, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be fun ramping up this podcast now that I've got a lot more free time, checking out South Coast sports and stuff like that, following the Saints covering the Saints, hoping to be on the field for training camp to give you all s- some more looks into the team and more looks into New Orleans sports. And, hey, while we at it, don't forget about the NOLA rugby out there, the rugby gold. Come on. They uh, they, they right there in the playoffs, too. It's a good way to get outside and, and go enjoy yourself. So, hey, I hope you all enjoy the rest of the podcast. It's going to be a quick 20 minutes, and we'll get back at you next week.
1: Welcome back in to Middle Relief, Mario Mario Jerez alongside Matt Musa and a little bit of NBA game two of the NBA finals tonight between the Suns and the Bucks however the New Orleans Pelicans are also in the news cycle once again and it's time to welcome on our next guest he is a contributor at Forbes.com covering the Pelicans to talk about it all Christopher
0: Dodson Christopher thank you for answering my text thank you for coming on the show how are you today oh man I'm enjoying the weather enjoying the show Uh, appreciate you guys having me on
1: No problem, man. A little hot for my taste, but I guess it's a decent day outside. Uh, Let's talk about your article a little bit, Christopher. Uh, It says that the Pelicans reportedly have scouted the Eastern Conference already for a couple of options as far as swinging the bat and making a trade. But now the Pelicans might try to attract the star from a Western Conference rival to try to make the playoffs next season. Can you give us
0: kind of a summary of what you wrote and what you think might be next for New Orleans? Right. If you look at this team and how David Griffin's operated, uh, we can rehash all that in a bit. But the Eastern Conference has a bigger middle class as far as free agents. And the West, I mean, there's just not as many options that you could bring in, say on a mid-level exception, biannual exception, anything that exceeds that. You're really going to be, the options are limited. But there are a lot of stars out there. As I mentioned in the article, Luka might be appeased with the hiring of Jason Kidd. But Damian Lillard, he's been put through the ringer this last week, two weeks, with his coaching hire, Chauncey Billups. And he took to social media to kind of defend himself. So he could be available. The secondary stars of C.J. McCollum or Chris Stapp's Perzingis could be available. Uh, you're looking at Shai Gildas alexander could be available. Uh, the top-end talent that could be available in the Western Conference is way better than the Eastern Conference. So that's why they – If you look at the Eastern Conference, I think you got Jeremy Grant and Fred Van Vliet are two great options that you could get for, you know, a a decent package. And then you could spend the rest and just push the rest of your chips in as the Pelicans and get that star from the Western Conference, and you've got a ready-made title contender.
1: It's going to be really interesting to see. But right off the bat, I want to ask you specifically about the top class and specifically about Damian Lillard, because in my opinion, Dame in New Orleans would be absolutely amazing. I think he could have a similar impact that Chris Paul is having right now with the Phoenix Suns. and Obviously still a whole lot of gray area there, not just from the Pelicans' point of view, but also from Dame, because we're not really sure what's going on there. But as of now, how realistic do you think a trade by the New Orleans Pelicans for Damian Lillard is?
0: Right now, I put the, the, the chance of Damian Lillard to be in New Orleans at like 27 33% chance. Not quite a third, but the Pelicans are going to be in the top three as far as uh, compiling a package for him to offer to Portland. Portland's really going to have to think about it, and that's why I, I really think there's like a 33% chance. We wind up with Damian and Zion, and if the Pelicans do it right, they can keep B.I. and still bring in, in Dame time.
1: Okay, so that's my question, Chris because you mentioned that in the article, that there's a possibility that they could get Damian Lillard and keep Brandon Ingram. What would that trade scenario look like?
0: It may involve a third team. You're definitely going to be sending out Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. I don't think any of the Pelicans fan base has a problem with that. You're going to lose most of the draft picks you got from Milwaukee and the Lakers. You're going to lose the 10th pick this year. But you would have a pick in next year's draft and a pick in the 2024 draft uh, just due to the CBA rules, and you can't trade that many picks. You got to have one every other year. The Pelicans use those two picks. They would have to go into this with the idea they use those two picks because it would be salary and cost controlled contracts, rookie deals, and they would also avoid the luxury tax for one more year they could. But then next year, once Zion's contract extension kicks in, you know, all bets are off. Gail Benson's going to have to pay the luxury tax. It comes with a contender, but if you make a move for Damian Lillard to pair him with Zion and B.I. and just empty the coffers, push everything else in, everything else is available, you, you, you're you going into that with the, the acknowledgement that we're going to pay that luxury tax bill next season. But they could do it. They could do it.
1: This is all very interesting. Chris Dodson, contributor at Forbes.com, joining us here on middle relief, and you went into it a little bit in your first answer, Chris, but I wanted to talk to you about kind of the middle class or the upper middle class in the Western Conference, and in a scenario where the Pelicans are not able to land Damian Lillard, but they had to go for somebody else. You mentioned C.J. McCollum, Chris Porzingis. Who do you think in the Western Conference specifically would be the best consolation if they can't get named?
0: I think the best consolation would be, consolation prize would be C.J. Uh, if you look at, say, Chris tappers Porzingis. I, I don't think the, the, I really don't think the talent's there. I mean, you could get Maxi Klebers 40% from deep, 90% from the line for a third of the cost, and, and Porzingis would still be owed $100 million if he opted into his player option. Uh, the Pelicans would have to be really convinced that that's, that's, that's the commitment they wanted to make, and when they look at the rest of the options, I just don't see that being a commitment they should make. So CJ's got to be your best consolation prize.
1: teams, including the Pelicans, are reaching out to the Pistons about the number one pick in this year's draft, what do you think the likelihood
0: is that the Pistons actually move that pick and that it could be to the Pelicans? I think it's you know less than 5% chance on all fronts. This is a due diligence type thing on what could you possibly get uh, for, for that number one pick. But in the end, Detroit's going to make that pick, and they're going to build around that pick. There's no other real option for them because they're not going to get Ingram or Zion or too many first-round picks going forward from the Pelicans, just because of the assurity of Cade Cunningham at the end, the top end of the talent at this draft versus what you could get later on. Look, if the Pelicans are good, you're not going to get the top pick in the draft again, and Detroit they they don't get the top pick very often. This you know this first time in decades.
1: The Pelicans' next head coach might be coaching in the NBA Finals right now, Chris, and I wanted to get your opinion on that. Right now, it looks like it's down to three, but two of them coaching in the NBA Finals, Charles Lee for the Bucks and Willie Green for the Suns, and then Fred Vinson, uh, the assistant coach, the shooting coach for the New Orleans Pelicans, might also be waiting in the wings. I want to ask you about Lee and Green first. What do you think of both of those guys as candidates to be the next Pelicans
0: coach? I think it's going to be one of them honestly. I hope that people don't look at it as whoever wins the title gets gets the job cuz you got to look at, at what they're doing in game. It's not a zero sum game as far as you get the championship, you get the job for the Pelicans. There's a lot of small battles to be won on that court that'll show that they're ready for the, you know, the big time stage and that that lead chair. But on the same end, how could those two guys be viewing the Pelicans job when Stan Van Gundy was already picked over him last year? Uh, the Pelicans, by all accounts, wanted Billups or Jock Vaughn. Uh, Fletcher Mackle had them, Billups, then Vaughn. I had it Vaughn, then Billups. But either way, that was one, two. So the Pelicans really are on their third, fourth option, their four, third, fourth choice here, with still Washington and Orlando to pick a coach. So if the Pelicans don't make a decision soon on one of those guys and they get taken off the market, will fans look at it as we've got our fifth choice as far as coach? That, that, to me, is the bigger issue for, for those two guys wanting this job. It's so much of the New Orleans Pelicans offering a job. Someone also has to want to take it. Christopher, so a little bit more on, on players they
1: might target. You, a few weeks ago, talked about, wrote an article about Eastern Conference trade targets that they had scouted, including Jeremy Grant and Fred Van Vliet, but they've now kind of, the focus is, is shifted to the Western Conference. Is that focus totally shifted? Like, is the door totally closed on possibly trading for somebody out
0: of the Eastern Conference? Oh, no, that was just more uh, I divided it up into the Eastern and Western Conference for publishing, you know, make it simple. But the way the team's looking at it, according to everybody I've talked to, is they're going to, you know, mid-level exception may be an Otto Porter Jr. out of Orlando. There, there's looking for a middle-class, no max contract, really, unless you trade for Fred Van Vliet or Jeremy Grant. Th- those are the kind of players you're going to be looking to, to target out of the East. I think we're going to find our... Our next sixth man, seventh man, eighth man, if it's not Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, I think it's going to be one of these proven guys that have went through those Eastern Conference battles the last few years. And, again, there's no real star available in the Eastern Conference, unless you look at Boston maybe, or Ben Simmons if you want to go that route. I don't think the star options in the Eastern Conference are as great. Uh, I don't think the team is scouting uh, Ben Simmons as much as, say, Lillard and trying to chase him down for many reasons talent contract fit but the eastern conference is is very deep when you start getting to the third to ninth man on those rosters
1: i would say keep ben simmons far away but maybe working with fred Vincent that might not be such a bad thing maybe he can finally learn how to shoot past 10 feet and that ties in perfectly with my last question for you chris is what do you think about Fred Vinson as Pelicans head coach? What happens if that scenario unfolds and Lee is not interested in the job, Willie Green is not interested in the job, and the Pelicans give it to Fred Vinson, who's been on staff for 12 years? Do you think he can succeed as an NBA head coach?
0: I think he can succeed as an NBA head coach, but, again, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and, and the fans talking about how you just said Fred Vinson can maybe fix Ben Simmons' a shot. If Fred Vinson is the head coach, he's no longer a shot Doctor, He's going to be having bigger things on his plate. So we can only throw so much at him. If you expect him to fix shots, fix the defense, get the team liking each other in the chemistry better, that's too much on somebody's plate even for an experienced head coach. We're going to have to say, Fred, if you're stepping into the lead chair, some of this stuff that everybody loves you for, you're actually going to have to leave it behind, and that's going to be his biggest challenge, I think, uh, if he does end up with the job.
1: Chris Dodson, contributor at Forbes.com, joining us here on Middle Relief, talking some Pelicans. Chris, great insight today. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Chris Dodson, contributor at Forbes.com.